Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. For, we're so excited to have Tavi today. Um, she's smart, stylish, magical, friendly, cool, and a real-life feminist icon. And it's something really, really, really exciting to get to um, make an introduction like that. Um, so um, I also want to say that so, so many things that start online and get um, reproduced into book form um, Sometimes it works better than other times, and this is an example where it's timely and it's timeless, and it works as a book better than almost any that I've seen, and it's a truly an aesthetically beautiful item. Um, so we're lucky to get a chance to get them signed to ourselves. Let's give a warm round of applause. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. It's nice to see you all. You all look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I am very, very happy to be here. My name is uh, Emily. Bless you. Yes? All right. Uh, my name is Emily Gordon, and I write for Rookie. I've been writing for Rookie since it started. And um, I started out as their video game writer, and then I kind of have done other things with them since then. Uh, so this is a piece that is in the book that I wrote uh, about uh, sexism and video games. Uh, I'm a female with a podcast about video games, so I'm frequently asked tough questions. How do I get my girlfriend to like video games? Are you a real nerd? How do we fix sexism in the gaming world? My answers to those questions are, in order, start with two-player platformers, what, and I wish I knew. Gaming culture has traditionally been a male-dominated arena, and as women have entered and taken up space in this arena more and more, there have been several ugly instances of sexual harassment. In June of last year, when Anita's a cat that lives here, another reason this is the best bookstore in LA. Uh, in June, when Anita Sarkeesian of the blog Feminist Frequency announced a Kickstarter for a video series she wanted to make exploring tropes of women in video games, the tirade of hatred released on her was staggering. People left threatening comments on the YouTube video for the project and altered her Wikipedia page so that it continually filled with insults and pornographic images. The gamer trolls were furious with her. The good news, even more people were furious with those trolls. Anita was looking for $6,000 for her project, she ended up with $158,922. Anita started out just wanting to look at sexism within video games, but clearly the issue goes beyond female characters in fighting games being dressed inappropriately for the match. Has anyone seen Chun-Li? Come on, you can't fight in that outfit. Her panties are showing constantly. Uh, it's a big problematic cocktail of young men who haven't yet learned how to interact with and compete against females. Uh, it's also a problem with sexist portrayals of women in games and also the anonymity of the online community. 
don't know how to fix sexism in gaming, but I have a few thoughts on how I personally handle sexism as I've been a girl for my whole life and a gamer for most of it. In no way do I speak for all women here, just myself, and in no way am I implying that the way that I handle things should be the way that things are handled. Judging women for the way that we deal with being harassed or assaulted heaps another layer of it's your fault on top of us. I think about power a lot and the way that power shifts among people. I'm acquaintances with mostly men and more specifically with male comedians and the signal that they finally accepted me was when they started making fun of me on a constant basis. My huge weird laugh, my bad jokes, the runs in my tights, I'm very surprised I don't have any right now. Nothing is off limits to these guys. But as harsh as their jokes can get, I've never once felt threatened by them. The power differential between me and my friends is that I'm a woman and they are men. And the golden rule of giving people shit is that the person with more power does not exploit what gives them that power when joking with a person with less power. It's not very catchy. I am aware of that. <clears throat> if you're about to say, but me and my closest friends make fun of each other's all the t like weird deformities and ethnicities all the time, let me stop you there. I do that too, and it's awesome. But there's something that's something you say for people you're comfortable with, not acquaintances, and certainly not strangers. In the gaming world, I see sexual harassment as both a power issue and a product of pure laziness. Some dudes are threatened by girls who play video games and are too lazy to come up with actual insults based on how you're playing, so they say disgusting things based on your gender instead. These guys may protest that they're just trash talking, and to them I say, if you need to try and intimidate a girl to beat her at a video game, you should probably get better at video games <laughs> and at trash talk. Side note, if you ever find yourself fighting for the right to sexually harass another human being, you need to really take a look in the mirror because something is wrong with you. Uh, but I digress. What concerns me besides these guys' behavior is that their harassment works. I'm not saying that gross, callous, or sexist remarks shouldn't hurt, but it would be a good idea for us to recognize that a sexist remark is, at its core, an attempt to shift the power, and we cannot let it stop us. Lady gamers, do we have lady gamers? You guys play video games? Anyone here? Thank you. Uh, lady gamers, we, thank you, sir. <laughs> Second row, nicely done. Uh, lady gamers, we cannot stop gaming because of these dudes. And dude gamers, we can't stop gaming because of those dudes either. Yes, the gaming culture should change, but it cannot change without our involvement. We have to be there, front and center, letting morons know that their behavior is not okay, but also that it's not going to stop us. Not letting a sexual harasser's words affect you doesn't mean that you condone their behavior. It just means that you refuse to let some D-bag have the authority to stop you from doing what you want. Acknowledge harassment as an attempt to take some of your power away from you and then tell it no thank you or F off, depending on what kind of mood you're in. Never stay in a situation where you feel physically safe, unsafe, or miserable. But online, we need to get in there, stretch out, and take up space, and let everyone know we're not going anywhere. If we treat sexual harassment like a big deal, it grows in potency and takes up more room in our minds and, it, and our fears, more room than it deserves. Now, obviously, sexual harassment is a really, really big deal. So how do you shrink it down, its influence on you? It's a double-edged sword. When we're sexually harassed and we try to laugh it off, uh, that's used as evidence that we like it or that we're at least know it's all just fun and games. Uh, and when we're bothered and speak up about it, that's used as evidence that women are too sensitive. Both accounts are wrong. We're laughing because we're uncomfortable, but still not trying to embarrass your stupid, stupid, stupid self. And we're not too sensitive. You're just too dense to realize how threatened you are. You're also not realizing what it feels like to be female. To have to constantly monitor your own safety and to have to be judged based on your appearance every day. And now I get to put up with your hilarious comments. Great.
great. When I am confronted with sexual harassment while gaming, I tend to go with a few sarcastic lines that I hope let the person know that they're being stupid and that I'm not affected by stupidity. I usually start with, nice one, real original, and then proceed to shut up and focus. And finally, if they won't shut up, I do an impression of them. Oh, you're different from me, and I don't know how to express myself. <laughs> it's better if you're winning when you do that. <laughs> Those tend to work for me. Uh, the last line often results in being, uh, me being called an asshole, which is a victory because that's kind of an ungendered insult. I don't know. I don't see that as it's kind of equal, right? Um, I said that I wouldn't speak for all ladies, but I may try to here. It's not that we want to be treated like porcelain creatures, fragile and easily upset. We certainly don't. We also don't want to be sexually threatened for just existing. There must be some kind of middle ground here. How about treating us as equals? Giving up something you enjoy because of someone else's attempt to make you feel small is giving that person some of your power. If you experience sexism while gaming, you don't have the responsibility to stay and take the abuse, but you do have a right to advocate for yourself and you have a right to game however you want. Let's keep our power and our controllers. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take one of these. And now I will introduce uh, your next reader, the very, very wonderful Marie Lodi. Come on over. Hi, guys. So I'm reading something from our Just Wondering column. Um, it's not... I'm too short. Okay, thank you. I don't have heels on today. <laughs> um, and this is our advice column. That's not the beauty and style advice column I do. Okay, so the question. I finally told my crush that I like him by text message. His response was sweet, polite, and considerate, but ultimately a rejection. Although I am proud to have gone after what I wanted with no restraint or shame, the rejection still really stings, and I want to get back out there without too much damage to my self-confidence. Any tips on how to deal with the yucky feelings of rejection? That's Gabrielle, 16, from France. First of all, many props, snaps, hair flips, and high fives for being brave enough to put your feelings out there. I love and admire people who have the courage to be open with their feelings. It's very real and very scary. I'm even happier that you aren't regretting your confession, even though your crush's response wasn't what you have preferred. I, want, I won't front though, this shit totally hurts. The pain of rejection can feel as excruciating and terrifying as a thousand scorpions playing double judge jump rope right on top of your heart. It super sucks, but it's going to be okay. We can control how people will react when we reveal our feelings to them. Sometimes you will be the rejected, and other times you will be the rejector. A giant shrug emoji descends from the sky. <laughs> I have been on both ends numerous times, particularly the rejected end, and while neither side is a barrel of lulls, I can tell you as much as it hurts right now, you'll totally get over it. Not every person you've got your eye on is going to be the right one for you. Sometimes the hunk or the hunkette of your dreams won't reciprocate your feelings, and the reason might not be so crystal clear. The situation does not invalidate you, and it has nothing to do with who will actually end up as your sweet fart in the future. There are millions of totally cool people in the world. When I find myself getting down or hopeless about love, I say to myself, if I exist and I'm super cool, then a person who is just as cool as me has to exist too. I can't be the only cool one around here. <laughs> then I stomp my feet and I lower myself into the splits. It makes sense, right? Well, the part about not being the only cool one, I mean, not the splits, that's just a habit of mine. 
Please don't let this rejection derail you from putting yourself out there again or prevent you from being prepared to meet the person who's right for you. Rejection won't have as painful an impact on you next time, especially when you are secure with yourself and aware of how lovely you are. So let's always remember that too. That's it. <laughs> And now, I'm pleased to introduce my boss lady, Tavi Gevinson. Hi. How amazing are Emily and Marie? Can we clap for them again? Um, thank you so much for coming. There are so many of you, and my dad is like peeking out over there, and I just see his glasses, and it's... Uh, um, so this hasn't been on the site yet. It's my editor's letter for next month, December. Um, our theme is forever. Uh, I have a lot of feelings about high school ending, so. All right. One, a brief history of forever. At its birth, Forever was invented for promise rings, names carved into trees, and photographs. Throughout time, Forever has acted as the defining principle of many phrases and ideas popular among adolescents. Best friends forever, together forever, forever and always, forever young. In more recent years, Forever, with its cousins Always and Infinity, has dominated young adult literature, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Fault in Our Stars, and... Um, differentiated the internet from the more fleeting IRL, and, one could argue, explained the popularity of the galaxy print. <laughs> nothing lasts forever, of course, but nothing doesn't resonate with a teenager the way forever does, because for better or worse, it's hard to imagine ever not feeling this way, being this person, having this life. Saying goodbye to forever is scary because you're not just saying goodbye to one phase of your life, you're saying goodbye to your entire life thus far. There's also the fear that your idea of post-forever was greater than your actual post-forever could ever be, which only supports your suspicion that you and your head are doomed to be alone in your own hopes and expectations and dreams forever, a kind of forever which is lowercase lettered and plain and understands death, not capital lettered and hopeful and not even enough room in its schedule to fathom death because it's too busy being alive. I waited my whole life for forever. I started reading 17 at age seven. Um, I revered my camp counselors, babysitters, older sisters, their friends, and my dad's high school students with more respect and awe than I did any grown up. And really, truly, it didn't disappoint. My forever, when I finally got to high school, it wasn't a teen movie. But I've been lucky to come up in a time when there are stories that make high school's terribleness into something interesting at worst and beautiful at best. So even the darkest times were not lonely, but strangely magical. As John Hughes said, at that age, it feels as good to feel bad as it does to feel good. So really, I've had a solid run. <laughs> Forever is not... That's a typo. Forever, <laughs> forever is not supposed to be the best time of someone's life, but it is certainly the most forevery. So I'm not sad because post forever seems terrible. I'm sad because forever is remarkably peculiar, and I've really enjoyed it, and I will miss it. People have often asked me if this ambition to understand my own teenage existence has lessened its sincerity, made my experiences too self-aware. 
but it's been quite the opposite. Um, Chris Krause writes in I Love Dick, the Ramones give needles and pins the possibility of irony, but the irony doesn't undercut the song's emotion. It makes it stronger and more true. The self-awareness or irony or whatever you want to call it made it easier for me to appreciate the awful parts of forever because it's like I had the rose tint of nostalgia in real time. It granted me a sense of humor about the most resentful of teachers. I was careful not to hang out in the alley behind the school often enough to find it redundant and oppressive. I let myself write bad poetry and diary entries because I knew they'd at least be funny to look back on. Of course, I couldn't yet conceive of a time when I'd be looking back because forever, always, infinity, etc. Technically, I still have quite a bit of forever left. I won't be a legal adult till I turn 18 in April. According to science, I have till 25. If we use high school as a timeline, there are six months left. But because my friends already graduated, because I'm in the midst of planning my future, because I feel like I hold more memories of who I was than ideas of who I am now, I say with certainty that my own personal forever is, t is over. And I'm terrified. Two, a theory of forever's remarkable peculiarity. Forever is when you have the height and width of a miniature person with the density of an alpha person. Forever is when you're a human cartoon with every vein and skin cell and eyeball shine as puffy and exaggerated as a giant sneaker or hair bow. Forever is when you experience all kinds of things for the first time, as do your hormones, which will never again be this crazed, never again experience things as either so bleak or so technicolor. Forever is when your brain is still developing so everything sticks like a lot. Forever is when you have tunnel vision because you, I, have not yet understood that you, I, are not the center of the world. So you, I, grant yourself permission to see things as though you, I, are, am. I don't recommend it as a lifestyle, but there's something to be said for having this much time to just think about you and what you like, uh, what you believe in, and how you feel. When I interviewed Sofia Coppola for Rookie, I asked why she continually writes movies about teenagers, and she said, it's a time when you're just focused on thinking about things. You're not distracted by your career, family. I always like characters that are in the midst of a transition and trying to find their place in the world and their identity. That is most heightened when you're a teenager, but I definitely like it at the different stages of life. Three different stages of life. Like she said, forever isn't the only time a person is transitioning, finding their place in the world, finding their identity. Forever is not the only time in which a person feels things strongly, or for the first time, or in a way that is central to forming who they are. It's maybe a crazy concentration of that time, but that doesn't mean it's a great time. Sometimes the awful parts of being a teenager are beautiful, but sometimes they're actually just awful. The good news is that most people's lives get better after forever. The bad news is that some people's lives don't. Or they do, but those people themselves become cold and bitter and nostalgic for forever, whether it's really worth being nostalgic for or not. Or, as Allison says in The Breakfast Club, when you grow up, your heart dies. One way to avoid killing your heart 
is to decide you will spend your whole life growing up. I'm not saying that you should liken your maturity level to that of one of the characters from Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> I am saying to avoid a life that looks, in line graph form, like it goes up and up and up and up, and then it stops, and then it levels out, and then it stays on that flat plane until death. I hope to live a life that goes up and up and up, with the inevitable dip here and there. I hope to continue to learn and change. Coveting youth also needs to be dealt with. To be clear, it's not that I'm afraid of being old, it's that I'm afraid of being afraid of being old, which for some reason appears to be an inherent part of being old because the examples out there of adults who aren't trying to turn back time are few and far between. <laughs> But a fear of aging turns every second into your enemy. It means that your worst nightmare is constantly coming true, unless you choose to die, which is a terrible choice to make. I generally like life. It lets me watch good TV, eat good food, have good friends. So I'd hate to have a bitter relationship to it, to be scared of it, to dread it. I'd rather not romanticize inexperience or purity or a lack of knowledge. I'd rather be a wizard or a mad scientist or a walking encyclopedia. I'd rather live my life than be super pissed all the time that we haven't yet figured out time travel. Lastly, it's important to give yourself a grieving period for forever. I know that this is the only way for things to happen. I know I don't want to stay in this place. But to effectively move on, I have to effectively wrap things up. Because I don't want to miss forever in small, unhealthy ways when I'm older, I have to honor it in big, creative ways now. Reflecting and archiving is not the same as dwelling in the past. It is not anti-living, but a part of life, even a crucial one. We do this to highlight one thing above others so that a special moment can take up more space in our brains than a passing one, so that by plain math, our life is more good things and less bad ones, or more interesting things and less blah ones, since you have to record the bad too. Like I said, forever is not about being the best years of your life, just the most forevery. Um, so like I said, this is for next month, so I'm not done with it yet, but then I was just going to like list and describe these moments I've experienced that have been really special. Um, and I don't you know, I went to one homecoming and left very quickly. Um, I, last year was, I'm a senior now, but last year was when all my friends went to prom and I had to miss it for a family thing. So like the school dance is one thing that I haven't really been able to check off my list. Um, but we do have these uh, like amazing rookie events um, where like everyone's together and dressed up and sometimes there's a band and like decorations and it's just like what I w would hope my school dances are actually like. Um, so I just want to end this by uh, thanking you guys for supporting us and coming to this stuff and um, you know uh, like being a part of my forever and of each other's so thank you <laughs> you've been listening to the skylight books author reading series don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.